My darling girl, when are you going to understand that being normal is not necessarily a virtue? I'd rather denote a lack of courage. You've just entered the cool friend hour. Hey everybody! Do you like midnight margaritas and getting caught in the rain? Do you throw spilled salt over your shoulder and plant rosemary by your garden gate? Well then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Ghoul Friend Hour. I'm your host Morgan Feza. Let's get weird. Hey everybody, welcome to the Ghoul Friend Hour. I'm your host, Morgan Feza, and today we have a super awesome guest. I have Chris McKinnell here with me. He is the co-founder of the Warren Legacy Foundation. So Chris, I'm going to pass the torch to you and have you introduce yourself. Hey folks, nice to uh, be here. Uh, Morgan, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I am the uh, director of the Warren Legacy Foundation for Paranormal Research. We carry on the work of my grandparents, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, most people know them from the movies, uh, you know, Conjuring, Annabelle, The Nun. You know, those are Hollywood. Those are, you're not going to get a good picture of my grandparents from those. Um, but we work all around the world and the work we do is free it's confidential uh, we don't expose our clients to the public ever i mean yes we'll talk about cases but we will not give any private details um, our job is to help our clients first educate the public second and to help minimize their fears you know i mean honestly when you hear footsteps in the hallway in the middle of the night it's not the devil, probably. Almost certainly it's not the devil. It's probably your grandmother, and she's come there to check on you. But your, your fear has turned a beautiful experience into something terrifying. So we try to help people with that. Our, uh, one of our other goals with the foundation, we always are trying to educate the next generation of, uh, of researchers. Uh, you know, they're just too many crazy people out there with the huge egos they all they want is their two seconds of something flying across the room so they can show it on youtube or instagram and they don't care about the families that's not us we don't we don't bother with that crap we don't put that online um and finally we do have a psychic support group available for people who are sensitives who claim to be in some way psychic, maybe they're an empath or they're actually clairvoyant or a medium or uh, what have you. And that's a place where they get support, where they learn how to deal with their abilities or their anxiety attacks or, um, you know, or maybe even learn how to suppress their abilities if that's their desire. So we have one of those in English and one in Spanish, and we've got about a thousand members around the world right now. So that was a long-winded introduction, wasn't it? No, but that was so perfect because it's full of lots of information. Um, and I did not know that you guys had a psychic support group. So, I mean, that's amazing and something I feel like I definitely could have used um, and may possibly utilize because- I'll send you the link. 
Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's amazing. So, um, you know, I just want to, I had, so basically I had, um, I kind of created a little list of questions for myself, um, you know, just kind of wondering, you know, where your spiritual journey really started, I guess we'll start there. Oh, wow. (laughs) This is going to take a little while. Um, You know, my my grandmother was definitely a devout Catholic. And I became aware at an extremely early age that my grandparents were into some very strange things. I was actually locked in the museum when I was about three or four years old uh, at night. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, which probably is the reason I was afraid of the dark until I was 16. Um, it's all right. You're not alone. Cause I'm 28. <clears throat> I'm still afraid of the dark. <laughs> we can talk about that as well. Honestly, the best way to deal with that is to actually immerse yourself in your fears, okay. which I had to, uh, for my work. And I've never been afraid of the dark since that one night when I was 16. But by the time I was, um, maybe 12, I kind of realized Catechism and Catholicism were not for me. Uh, we moved and the Mormons came to the door. And I was like, yeah, come on in, let's talk. Uh, so I started studying with them for about six months. Then the, um, the Jehovah Witnesses came. I was like, yeah, come on in. So I, I ended up going with them and doing Bible studies and going to these big meetings. And I admire of both of the, those religions, um, their sense of family, their sense of community, uh, and the way to support one another is beautiful. But it wasn't for me. Um, then it was in Buddhism. Then I went to college, and I, the head of my school, my first school, um, was a philosophy professor. So, you know, I, I took all of his courses on philosophy of religion, and we spent a long time talking to one another uh, one-on-one. It was extraordinary. Um, afterward, I really delved into the origins of the Bible and studied with three different experts in college. Uh, one was a theologian. He was actually a clergyman. Um, another was a historian and philosophy professor, and the other one uh, was a literature professor, and that fascinated me. I really delved into that deeply, um, and again, decided this wasn't for me. Then I uh, got lucky. I went in the Peace Corps, and I went to Mali, which was, at the time, the poorest country in the world, and right. it was a Muslim country, Wow. and the most welcoming, kindest, generous people in the poorest country you could imagine. I'd enter a village um, and they would immediately first offer water. They always offer water. And then they'd offer you chickens, two chickens. And they didn't eat one chicken a year. So this was like a huge sacrifice for them. Yeah, that's a big welcome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I got to participate in some of their rituals. I also started learning about animism, which is an African based religion, uh, based on nature and the powers of nature, uh, which was fascinating to me. I went to Jerusalem, studied there. I got to spend Jerusalem. Well, I was there during the second Palestinian uprising. 
Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't so. terrific. Uh, it was fascinating. Okay. Um, but for instance, one, one incident, I was along the the old the old wall of the old city, and I was traveling with this uh, Hebrew guy from oh, where was it? Sudan, I think the Sudan. No, Lib Libya. He was from Libya, and he was screaming and yelling at these Palestinians on the on top of the wall, all of a sudden we're getting stoned. Yeah. Oh my uh, and I was also with this poor English guy. Uh, and he's like hopping right in the middle of uh, of all these stones. He He's not even getting out of the way. So uh, I run out, I grab him, and I pull him against the wall so that they can't keep stoning us. Oh my god. Um, so that was an experience. After that, I spent several months in Egypt studying uh, the ancient religions there. Um, spent a long time in Nepal, two years in Thailand, six months in South Korea. Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> and I got to work. I, I have friends in uh, Portugal who are Umbanda priests and priestesses. And Umbanda is an Afro-Brazilian religion, which is fascinating because the um, priests and priestesses are all trained mediums and they channel specific spirits. Each of them has their own specific spirit from one of anywhere between five and seven schools of spirits, depending on the, the particular day uh, that the congregation is meeting. It might be the old sailors, the old blacks, uh, the defender, whatever it happens to be. Uh, those from the left-hand path, and they will channel that one spirit, and you'll have several, several uh, priests and priestesses there, and the congregation will go to one or another priest or priestess during the ceremonies and ask their questions, receive spiritual guidance from those spirits. It was fascinating. I that really, really enjoyed that. I yeah, literally that never heard of that. And like, now I'm like, okay, I got to jot this down and go research it. Cause this is. Yeah. Umbanda. Eyes up. Umbanda. U-M-B-A-N-D-A. The other one is Kimbanda. Q-U-I-M-B-A-N-D-A. -A. Um, Kimbanda does rely more on the dark side. Okay. This does not mean that it's satanic. It's something that people need to understand. Uh, these are separate religions of their own. They have nothing to do with Christianity. Okay. And just because another religion wants to demonize it does not mean it's actually evil. Yeah. Um, so we also like the dark side of things. What? So then what does that mean? Because like, obviously, I mean, I've never heard of this religion, which so I think it's, I mean, to me, it's very intriguing. Well, in Umbanda, uh, which I know far better, um, the belief is that there are fallen angels or fallen souls who are looking for redemption. Okay. And they work with the priests and priestesses to save souls who are lost. Okay. And so they're kind of smuggling them out of the darkness to earn their okay. own redemption. But that's kind of that's very that's very neat yeah it is it's a totally different idea i mean i also got to um work with jaguar negro which means black jaguar okay he's the um 
the witch mayor of a town called Catamaco in Veracruz, Mexico. Um, there are so many, there are thousands of witches there. I wish and that I could just like crawl inside your brain and like dig through the filing cabinets because like there's so much stuff that you're telling me right now that like, you know, I thought in 28 years I've learned a lot about spirituality and I'm like this, that was just the tip of the iceberg. I really had no idea. I'm 58. I got 30 years on you and I can tell you the one thing I have learned is I know nothing. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, I mean, I searched, you asked about my spiritual path. So my answer is pretty uh, simple. And I, I've given this in a million interviews. So for those who might have heard these before, I apologize. But the truth is, I didn't find my faith in any religion. I got to spend three days with the Dalai Lama. Really? Yeah. And I still could not find my faith. Okay. It wasn't until I had, and I, I studied quantum physics as well, because for me, that is very important to my own work uh, in the paranormal. But, and I recommend it to anybody, by the way, who wants to study the paranormal, study quantum physics. I never would have thought of that. So I'm going to And psychology. Those two are vital. I got psychology um, down. <laughs> Quantum physics, I'm going to have to work on. <laughs> the other thing is to have an extraordinarily open mind and do not go in with any particular faith to, to bias you. Okay. Um, faith is your shield. Don't get me wrong. But what I learned in all of my travels is there are many paths up the mountain. And it's only the fool running around the bottom saying you're going the wrong way that never gets any closer to God. I love that. So, love that. NASA said a few years ago that there are more living worlds in the universe than there are grains of sand on Earth. Wow. Now, that's trillions and trillions of worlds with life of some sort. And once I, I, I digested that idea, I realized my search for understanding God was the most egotistical thing I have ever participated in in my life. How can I understand that? You know, an amoeba has a better chance of understanding what I'm going to do next week than I do of understanding God. So if you think of God, and I, I think of God in several ways, I have to, you know, Jesus used allegories to teach, and I find them comforting when I'm trying to picture things. Um, but I think of God as a weaver, a beautiful tapestry, which is our universe. And I'm only one itty bitty thread in that infinite tapestry. I have to have faith that I'm being woven in the right direction. Now I have free will. I can screw that up, you know, but in a universal tapestry, even if I go the wrong way and he'll try to, you know, push me in the right way. But if I go the wrong way, 
the tapestry is still going to hold together. It's still going to keep growing. And my contribution can either help or hinder. That's, I mean, that's a very profound way of looking at it. I like that a lot. I do. And I love, I do love how philosophical you are. Like, I think that your perspective is a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, it's not often that I come across people that have such a, profound and beautiful outlook on the way that life is and faith and religion. And I think it's really, really neat. Um, I was not, I guess what I should say is I was not expecting the answer that you gave me on religion, because I think it's super admirable that you did keep such an open mind and that you tried all these different religions and you learned from these priests and these priestesses and like to me I just think that's so profound far too most people are born into their religion yes. and that's who they are you know um to me I don't think that's what God wants My, and also sadly most people don't learn about their own religion if you ask the the average Christian about their beliefs and what what's actually in the Bible, they're gonna not really understand. And they're not gonna be able to give you the history of the formation of the church and, and how it changed over time and everything else about it because there is so much there. There is beautiful wisdom in every single religion, but it boils down very simply to some simple truths that I believe, I believe are from God. Okay. As you do unto the least of my brothers, so you do unto me. Basically, that's it. You know, love my neighbor. You know, it isn't about, oh, that person's a different religion, that person doesn't speak my language, that person's from a different color or country or whatever. I can't trust them. That's pathetically narrow-minded and incorrect. So it's very ignorant. It is. It is. Now, honestly, <clears throat> again, going back to the fact that there are that many living worlds in the universe, people often will tell me I'm humble. I'm not at all humble. Uh, I'm realistic because in the eyes of God, I am one tiny, itty-bitty light that is no different than the light of anyone else. When you look at an anthill, do any of those ants look different to you? No. <laughs> you either love them all or not. And I think God loves them all. And that's us. We're just lights. Little tiny things that he cherishes and hopes the best for he gave us one gift free will this can be heaven or this can be hell and we are falling down on the job sadly we have the power to change the world and we don't believe we do sadly we don't have faith in ourselves yeah i agree with that i agree with that heavily and I also think, honestly, that um, fear is the real enemy. It's not the devil. Fear is a you big know? one. 
yeah, it's fear, period. That's it. I learned that early in life. Um, it shaped my early life. Fear pulls us apart. And and if I don't, I look, I'm not being political here. I, I don't care which country you're in right yeah. now listening to this. Politicians in most countries, regardless of party or philosophy, use fear to pull us apart. The media uses fear to get more ratings. Yeah. Everything in the world revolves around making us afraid. We don't need to be afraid. We need to believe in our own power. And we have that power. We can change the world when we believe. But if we don't do it with love in our hearts, then we are moving against the plan of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. I um, you know, it's, it's funny, because I literally said to my husband, um, not too long ago, you know, you, I, I try not to watch the news. Um, I try to kind of stay away from all the negativity um, and the stuff that is broadcasted, because I just think that it's absolute, just pollutants to your mind. And I feel like, you know, I said to my husband, I'm like, I know this is going to sound funny, but have you ever seen the movie Little Nicky? Yeah, I, I have. Adam Sandler, but yeah. it's been so many years in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, you're not a day over 20. Don't kid oh, me. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> well, my fiance would tell you inside. Yeah, I'm not a day over 20. <laughs> But um, little like I said to him, I said, sometimes I just feel like I'm living in little Nikki because it's like, I feel like the most simple thing to do, but it's like, it seems like it's the hardest thing to do is to love it. It takes a lot more energy to be negative and to be hateful and to put that bad energy out into the universe. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's so simple to love people, but it seems like it's the hardest thing to do. And like I said to him, I'm like, I look around and I see all these bad things happening. And like, you know, you hear about, I mean, I don't even have an example because there's too many, like there's always something just terrible going on. And it doesn't matter if I don't watch the news. It doesn't matter if I try not to look at the news on my phone. It always finds its way somewhere to make it to you. And it's like, I just, I think like everybody else, you know, you wish you lived in a world where it wasn't like that and people could just love one another. And I understand that in order to have light, that there needs to be some dark. I mean, I get that. We need that. We really do. That the truth is... is Imagine a world where everything is perfectly wonderful. Yeah, it would be odd. We'd stay babies. If babies who never have to strive or struggle for any reason, I mean, why would they bother to learn to speak? Why would they bother to learn to walk? Why would they learn anything? We That's need true. that. It's yin yang. Yeah. Sorry, I speak too much Spanish now. So I'm like Jin Jang and Jin Yang in English. Huh? I got, I totally got the gist though, but, but I, I agree. The, my life has been filled with lots of tragedies, tons. 
I, I have had everything taken away from me three times. I took into two home, young homeless people who took advantage of me, stole from me for almost a year. And then when I finally asked them to leave because I had already lost the lease on my home because of their criminal behavior, um, they beat me. Uh, and then a con woman came and convinced me that she could help me and give me a place to stay. And she ended up taking what little I had left. Yeah. And you know what? Here's the thing. I wouldn't change one moment of my life. You know, another uh, metaphor for you, if you wish. Uh, I think of God like as a blacksmith. And he takes this raw ore, us, and he puts it in the fire and he bangs the hell out of it to shape us into the tool he needs us to become. Now, many times we break, but then he throws us back in the fire to try to reforge us again. I like that. And I've been reforged. And I, I feel like, thank you, God. I'm grateful for all of the things I've been through, not just the good because I needed every single moment. Yeah. Or I couldn't be here today talking to you. That's very true. And I, I love, love the blacksmith. I think that that just puts it in such a good perspective and it, it truly does shine a light on how God is constantly um, molding and making you into who you're supposed to be and directing you towards your purpose. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's amazing. And I think you... It's just really, really neat to see how much you have done in life. And we haven't even really gotten to all of it. So <laughs> I'm sure we would be here for a little while. But it's it's very neat to hear, you know, these experiences and, you know, hear about that spiritual journey. Um, you know, so I feel like I kind of want to ask you, you know, what were some valuable lessons, you know, because I know that you refer to your grandmother a lot and like the spiritual aspect. What were some spiritual lessons that you feel like your grandmother gave to you and taught you? My gram, honestly, one of the sweetest, most welcoming, beautiful people ever. Um, you see her in videos, you know, on YouTube and what have you, and you think, oh, how sweet. But I got to be with her and live with her. And you you enter the house and it's, oh, honey, would you like a grilled cheese with tomato? I'll go make it for you right now. Would you like cookies? I'll go make them for you right now. Um, she would spend two weeks preparing the holidays, whatever holiday it happened to be, two weeks getting all the different foods she was going to make. And always there would be special ones just for me or just for my <laughs> sister, you know, um, that, and for instance, um, you must have experienced this yourself, but most psychics grow up in isolation and they don't have anybody to understand them or accept them. And a few would find their way to her. And she would drop everything to mentor them and be there for them. And I learned empathy and compassion partly from her. I learned 
ethical behavior. Um, my grandfather and I, we, we could clash often. Uh, he was more into the media aspect and, you know, he loved that attention. And me, I'm not ego driven at all. I, I think it's wrong. I think when you've got a huge ego, you're pushing God out of the, out of the room. And that's just a shame. Um, my grandmother, on the other hand, would drop anything to help anybody. So would my grandfather, don't get me wrong. Uh, <clears throat> actually, one of my grandfather's, one, one story that's my favorite of my grandfather's. It was wintertime uh, up in Connecticut, um, and he was driving by, and he saw this poor collie wrapped with its, you know, on a chain, wrapped around this frozen tree in a frozen puddle, all covered in mud, in absolute misery. He pulls over the car, he goes over, he unhooks the dog, he goes up to the front door, slams on the door, guy comes there and he says, you just lost your dog. And he takes the dog home, named it Duke after uh, John Wayne, his favorite actor. Love it. And uh, Duke became part of the family. Oh, we love animal lovers. We are a big animal family here. So I love that story. Oh, my whole family are such ardent animal people. They really are. I, one of the things, one of the sad prices of my life style is I can't have an animal right now. But boy, if you see me on the street, <laughs> I will pet every cat, dog, llama, cow, horse, pony, whatever happens to be around me, iguana, I am going to enjoy that animal to bits because I just, I, I love one. I'm gonna I'm gonna call you the like the Snow White of Columbia. You just put <laughs> your hands out and bring all the animal friends in. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be nice? But no, I'm, I love watching the birds outside my window here. But uh, so far, they haven't landed in my palm yet. <laughs> well, you gotta sing. You gotta sing that uh, that magical tune. You just gotta like let out a little whistle. <laughs> I, look, I can sing. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think I could hit that. I, no. <laughs> That's okay. We'll observe them for now. That's totally fine. Yeah. Exactly. But my grandmother um, taught me how to use my abilities. She helped me interpret auras, um, but also made it quite clear to me that the aura is only the table of contents, and you need to go beyond that and read the book. Now, I haven't read auras in uh, 32 years because... In my 20s and teens, I thought it was cool. So I, you know, anybody who wanted me to give them a reading, I was more than happy to do it. But I kept terrifying people. You know, how do you know that? How could you know that? What's wrong with you? You know, and I was like, I didn't want to do that anymore. Now, since my grandmother's passed, my abilities have grown exponentially. I, I now am a reluctant medium. Um, I only will use my abilities in my work, but I'll help spirits pass over. I'll talk to them. Um, they'll even talk back. Uh, but it's not for entertainment. My grandmother taught me that. It's a gift from God, and it should be used only for your work. 
And it's funny because that was actually one of the questions on my list that I have here is, you know, um, I, I, I mean, this is my own personal belief. But I do truly feel like, um, I don't know if mediumship is the right word, but I feel like those spiritual abilities are definitely generational. Um, yes, they're I, genetic. Yeah, like I, I almost feel like in my own family, um, you know, it's not something that's very <laughs> talked about. And I think that's why just recently I was finally like, you know what? I was like, screw it. I'm starting this podcast and- I need to just be who I am and I need to embrace it because for 28 years I have, you know, lived in that silent, isolated place and it caused a lot of that frustration. And the only person who I think truly understood it was my grandma because my family had the running joke of, you know, she had eyes in the back of her head and she, there was just, there was nothing I could get away with. Mm -hmm. um, she was she knew it she just knew everything um and it was funny because before she passed away um she looked at my aunt and she said oh you're having a little girl and she was not like coherent at that point um she had cancer and me and my aunt kind of like looked at each other like huh and she didn't even know she was pregnant um and lo and behold she did she had a little girl and so it was little moments like that she would do things like that throughout my life or she'd be like who's the, who's this, this man that you're seeing and who's this boy that you're seeing? And I'm like, how does she know? I'm like, we just started dating, you know? So it was little things like that, but it, it was definitely passed down. Uh, my mom also very spiritual. Um, I think that my goddaughter definitely has it, but it runs down that maternal line. So yeah. it kind of popped in my head and I was like, I wonder, you know, if Chris, had inherited any of that um you know does your sister have any abilities or you think not as far as i'm aware of no okay. um here's the thing about these abilities it's not matrilineal um it's based on emotional security and openness and i've always been this guy uh, you know um it's so <laughs> i'm i'm very open uh, anybody can ask me anything and I'm always happy to talk to them. You know, most men are closed off. They're more practical, more logical thinking. And I'm not so much, you know, and I'm, I'm more in touch with, I suppose, my feminine side, if you want. Um, you know, here's an unusual thing, actually. Um, in my experience, and, I, you know, I've been doing this August will be 43 years. Um, I realized not too long ago that the, the, the majority of male psychics happen to be homosexual as well. Really? Yeah. And I, I have a theory that the reason they are is because they have to be more hyper uh, vigilant more attentive uh as a survival skill as a, as a coping skill for them yeah um i think for me it was more i had been abused so much that my empathy was pushed out and so i um i found that to be the way that it opened up for me okay um, but yeah i i know so many uh gay male psychics it's extraordinary to me and 
the few of us that are not gay are a real rarity. Okay, that's uh, that's honestly, I never knew that. But that's really neat that you observe that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay, so how would you, um, I kind of want to touch upon, um, you know, you talked about having those abilities and how it created isolation. You know, mm-hmm. what were, how did, so how did you come out of that? How did you deal with that? Was your grandmother a support system since she had the gift? It wasn't. Not at first. Okay. No, um, my father was absolutely not just a skeptical, he was an active non-believer. Okay. For him, my grandparents were just, you know, entertainers and con men. Okay. Uh, for my mother, she hates, still hates the paranormal, terrifies her. She wants nothing to do with it. So she has no abilities because she just doesn't want to. Um, so when I started becoming truly terrified of the dark, instead of my grandmother stepping in and saying, well, Chris is hearing things, you know, he's sensing what's there. And that's what's scaring him. And let's help him. Instead of that, because she wanted to get along with my parents, it was psychologists, social workers, uh, psychiatrists. And I had to deal with that until I was 16. And my grandfather took me on my very first case. That was a baptism of fire. After that unbelievably extraordinary poltergeist night. And it really was. It was a Hollywood night. I confronted my fears. I I immersed myself in my fears and I saw things that you would only ever see in a Hollywood movie. And after that, I went home and I went to bed for the first time in the dark and I've never been afraid again. And it was then that I started talking to my grandmother and getting her guidance and learning, you know, this is what you're seeing when you're seeing these colors, Chris. And this is what it means. And this is those whispers you're hearing when you're in your quiet moments. And that, yeah, that helped. But it took a long time. And so I have a lot more empathy for everyone who's going through that, which is why I started this uh, psychic support group online. You know, it's important to me. I, I, you know, I've been a therapist for a lot of my life, too, in one way or another. And uh I realized after the first movie came out, we got to do something more because my grandmother is, you know, very old and very retired and she can't do this anymore. And I can't do one-on-one. So we started the groups. Wow. And then that's how it was born. So that's, that's amazing. And that was 2014, correct? (sighs) Uh, When did the first movie, when did the first movie come out? I want to say. I don't know. I, you yeah, know, I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think it was 2014. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, look, I'm in Latin America. Time has a whole different way of being. <laughs> I feel like, see, for me, I feel like uh, it was COVID that kind of threw a wrench in my like timeline i feel like just those like two years kind of lost there has thrown me completely off track um i managed to travel quite a bit during covid which amazed me 
but honestly, it was probably for the best because, yeah, being yeah. locked down is not. Well, I was in lockdown in Rio de Janeiro and Scotland in England. You know, here's an odd little anecdote. Um, when I had to fly to Costa Rica from London, I had to go down from Edinburgh in Scotland. And it was wintertime and it was snowing and you it was very hard to be allowed to take the train. I was on a train car all by myself. Really? All by myself. The entire I don't know it if it was eight hours. So I feel like it that was, would feel odd. I didn't even see a, a trainman come through. <laughs> Nobody. I just had the whole place to myself. It was heavenly. I mean I felt like, you know, a, ty a, a railroad tycoon. Was <laughs> I was going to say VIP, right? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. But yeah, I mean, um, so I was going to, what was I going to say before? Um, oh, I was going to, so with the whole um, isolation thing, um, you know, I know you said that you had faced your fears and everything and you went on your first case um you know what was kind of going through your head in that period of time which period you mean that first night on that yeah, like that, that I, was scared, I, I was scared i was gonna crap my pants <laughs> <laughs> you know, i mean it was terrible it was terrifying the the woman and the man were waiting outside the house they were terrified to go in. It was a tiny little tract home. Downstairs was just the living room and the kitchen. The refrigerator had been removed as well as most of the other heavy uh, furniture because things were flying around the house. Um, there was just a stove, <clears throat> some counters and a recliner and a couch downstairs. Upstairs, there was still the bedding in three bedrooms, but the whole house was shaking from pounding on the walls in repetitions of three. I mean, it was amazing, deafeningly loud. And there was clawing inside the walls and growling coming from the walls. And I got to the top of the stairs and I look in the bathroom and the crucifix is upside down, like right out of Hollywood. And my grandfather made me sit in the master bedroom where the woman had been attacked in the dark while they went downstairs to use holy church incense to stir things up wow and said just let us know if anything happens chris <laughs> yeah no big deal you sadist it's it's my first night on the job and you know <laughs> and i didn't want to be there i'm like i'm gonna go because my grandpa told me to go you know <laughs> um so yeah i did that for an hour in the dark after that, we were on a radio show, WTIC AM Radio 1060 with Brian Dow. Um, no seven second delay or whatever it is, it was completely live. Uh, and we were on the phone. And um, the husband and another researcher, Paul Bartz, were upstairs. We were downstairs. Uh, my grandfather and the lady were on the couch. I was in the recliner with that same cross that had been upside down in my hand and the phone in the other hand. And I'm like, under my breath, by the power of Jesus Christ, I command you to be gone. By the power of Jesus Christ, I command you to be gone. And the 
then it's like 3.15 in the morning, these two hulking black shapes come down the stairs in the dark, and you can still see them. There's and the a difference in huh? like there's definitely a difference. Like I know exactly what you're saying because I've natural seen dark versus preternatural dark. Yes, it is the blackest black I think you have ever laid eyes on. Um, yep. and it's funny because I would say that to my friends, and only a cup, very few couple of them know, and they would be like, "Well." Like how, like, I don't understand. They're like, how do you see them in the dark if they're dark? And I'm like, it's dark. <laughs> it's black hole dark. Yeah. <laughs> the absence of absolute, absence of light. Yes. But the woman then screamed that her face was on fire. And my grandfather flashed the flashlight on her face and three claw marks appeared on the left side of her face and blood dripping down. Then that pot with Holy Church incense in it came flying out of the kitchen around the corner and straight at my head, just missing me. The hit the window behind me, the shade flew up, uh, the pot crumpled and the window didn't break. Impossible. I said something that I probably am not allowed to say here right now uh, over the air, just like I probably shouldn't have been allowed to say it on the air. Uh, but you know, I was shocked. Uh, we're, we're F word friendly here. So, oh, I said, oh shit. Yeah. Okay. So that's, <laughs> that's not as, you know, not as bad as the F word, but I mean, I would probably say the same thing probably worse. And, and the woman screaming, she wants out of the house. I, sorry, dad, or are we good? Huh? Good. You can't hear it. Um, the, uh, the lights start going on and off. I'm running to the door thinking, this is a good idea, let's get out. And the door is locked. We can't get out. The recliner I had just been sitting in tumbles across the room at me. And then the door opens by itself. And that was my first night. We left my grandfather sitting there in the dark by himself. Oh my gosh. So like when you said you immersed yourself in your fears, I mean, you immersed as a, I don't even think that's a strong enough word to capture. Well, you got to understand, my grandfather tried to join the Marines in World War II when he was 16. His father found out and pulled him right out of the recruiting office. But when he was 17, he went to war in the Navy. And I think he just saw me struggling with all my fears and he said he needs a baptism of fire yeah this is the one that that good old you know if you can't swim we're just going to throw you in the lake and it's <laughs> yeah my other grandfather did that to me. sink or swim sink or swim it's yeah. funny because my uh my grandparents raised me so i know very well kind of what you're talking about i was raised by a vietnam veteran uh, my grandma was very much that old school, just tough. And, you know, you just got to live through it to learn it. So that's, yeah. Yeah. But, I, but that's amazing that it helped you. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I mean, after witnessing that, so I guess I kind of also want to get your perspective on life after death. Sure. So, you know, what is your philosophy on life after death? How do you? Well, let's start with the purpose of death first. Okay. You know, we often 
I can't tell you the number of people who contact me all the time struggling with grief because they've just lost someone. They no longer believe in God because they've lost someone. Like, death is inevitable. It will happen. And you have to understand there's a purpose to death. When my son was eight years old, I was engaged to a wonderful woman. And so now we're going back 15 years. And she had cancer. And she died. And we had some problems near the end because I wanted to care for her. And she wanted to be with her mother. Um, at that point, I was also struggling because I was handicapped and could barely take care of myself. Um, but after she died, she visited me twice. And the second time, I woke up in our bedroom and I could hear her heavy footsteps coming down the hallway. She was a big woman. And when I opened my eyes, even though it was a pitch black room, <clears throat> It was a mirror on the um, bedroom door, and I could see us, her reflection, right behind me in bed, propped up on one elbow, looking down on me with a smile on her face. Look, what I'm about to say doesn't make a lot of sense, but I closed my eyes because I didn't want to see her leave again. And she got right in front of my face. And very deliberately, she said, I love you and then she kissed me on the lips i mean we're not talking ooh, psychically i could tell she kissed me no i mean the woman kissed me she needed me to understand that even though we had not really been together she loved me with all her heart and after that she was gone wow i have had more experiences with people from my past coming back then I can bother to recount honestly um and what it has taught me and don't get me wrong I grieved oh god I grieved I grieved for years but that also was an important lesson you know it taught me about how important death is it taught me it gives immediacy to life that it teaches us to love now without reservation because regret sucks you know if we all lived forever regardless of anything we do then that person who's suffering on the street right now why not just ignore him he'll be fine in a billion years yeah you know it, it it's a meaningless thing then yeah. so death gives purpose to life it gives meaning to life and it is a profound message. Even if you fail once with one loved one, that's the lesson to teach you to not fail again with all of the other people in your life. Don't lose your faith because you lose a person. Yeah. Faith isn't thinking that everything's going to be okay if I pray. That's a, that's a silly little fantasy. And if you lose your faith, when tragedy hits, then you never had any faith. All you ever had was a comforting daydream. Yeah. Faith is knowing that regardless of what you go through, your soul is going to be fine. Yeah. 
That's it right there. That, that's faith. You know, regardless, look, every single thing you go through impacts other people. If I were taken away right now by a serial killer and never seen again, nobody would know that I was taken by a serial killer. He could torture me for the next year and a half before he kills me in the most horrific way possible. My disappearance would impact many, many people. That suffering I go through would impact my killer. It was all, will also impact me. It has purpose. I am not saying we should accept evil. Evil is there to fight against. It's there to overcome. You know, when we die, and I, look, I can only tell you what I know. For earthbound spirits, for those who either don't want to pass over because they're afraid, for instance, a lot of people who are Christian and they commit suicide, can you imagine what it must be like for them when they realize I'm still here? after they've killed themselves, they thought this was the end and now they've got to see the suffering of others. And they're afraid to pass over because they think we're going to go to hell. And we help them, I help them, many of my people help them in kind of a therapy kind of way to accept that they're going to be fine and it's okay to let go and to pass over. Um, some refuse to accept that they're dead. People, I mean, in general. And again, they're very either confused, they die in a, with a high fever, or they're just obstinate, and they can't believe they actually died. And they're like, well, who are these dumb people in my home? I'm going to cause a lot of trouble and get try to push them out. They're not evil. They're just confused. Most spirits are confused. Having said that, once a spirit passes over, or if a spirit consciously chooses to stay and by spirit i mean a person yeah. um that's a different thing those are people who are completely self-aware they know what's happened to them and they're making a conscious choice you can pass over the other side and still come back it happens all the time um family gatherings holidays uh funerals births weddings you name it Anytime we are remembering our loved ones, we are sending out a message to the universe and they can hear it. It's the law of recognition and we bring them to us. So it, it happens all the time. That it makes me feel so good them. to hear. It really does. Because um, <clears throat> again, kind of going back to the isolation thing, I think I've always had a very different view especially at a young age I feel like I've always had a very different outlook on things than maybe my younger friends did um and I remember a particular moment um my mother's best friend uh she did commit suicide um and my mom obviously came home and she delivered the news to me and I was heartbroken because she was you know she was part of the family at that point um and you know when that happened I you know my friends were like oh what's wrong with you and at that age, you know, you kind of just, I think are a little bit more honest than you need to be. And I told them what's going on. They're like, oh, you know, she's going to go to hell. And like, that was their response. And I remember like, saying, I'm like, no, she's not. And they were like, yes, she is. And it was one of those things where 
even into adulthood, people still have that stigma that just because you choose to end your own life that that's where you're going to end up. And I feel like that's so terrible, but it's such a comforting thing to hear and a validating thing to hear, to hear you say that because, you know, I've always felt that way, but I feel like I've never actually gotten that confirmation or heard anybody say that. And so it's like, you know, you always have it. Like, I guess I always had in the back of my head, like, I wonder what really does happen and it's like i feel like i always knew better but there's these little pieces of doubt that creep in when you're constantly hearing it so i mean that's that's awesome that you are able to help souls do that especially when you know they're stuck i i've only um recently started embracing the mediumship side of my life maybe seven or eight years ago. So I've only dealt with suicides um, three times. One was a message to the mother that, no, this wasn't really suicide. I overdosed. And it was an accident. Don't worry, mom. Another was a suicide of an American former serviceman in uh, Costa Rica. And it took a while, but I was able to help him pass over as well. Uh, who was the other one? I apologize. I've had thousands of cases and right no, now. No, it's to be expected. <laughs> yeah, it, it was in my head just a moment ago. And uh, now, I, um, honest God, I can't remember. That's a shame. Um, I apologize. No, no, you're fine. Listen, you're talking to a mom of a two-year-old who has totally filled with mom brain. So my thoughts are constantly fleeting. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I guess um, another thing that I was curious about is there's a lot of talk about reincarnation. Mm-hmm. So what are your views on that? Like how, um, have you had experiences with reincarnation? Do you have a story? You know? Oh, you. Um, Here's a, here's a little thing. Uh, my grandparents, being Catholic, you would think, oh, no, they won't believe in reincarnation. Nope. My grandfather taught me regression hypnosis when I was 16. Really? Uh, yeah. He hypnotized me first. And I, I started to remember my first, well, my last lifetime. And I have plenty of memories because they kept coming to me afterward. Um I wasn't extraordinary, you know, in any of my lifetimes that I, I recall, uh, there is some, there's a dumb story out there that I'm the reincarnation of somebody rather extraordinary, but I certainly don't remember it and I doubt it's true. Um, you know, there are very few extraordinary individuals in history. Most of us are just living, but in my last lifetime, I fought in world war one. I, uh, I remember, the mustard gas rolling down the hill at night and my struggling with my gas mask. I remember my friend with me who we both returned uh, to the heartland of the United States in the Midwest. We both married sisters. Um, I started general store. He started a farm. Eventually at some point in the fifties, I was a sheriff's deputy in uh, 
Texas. And during a routine traffic stop, I was murdered. Yeah, nothing spectacular, just a life. It's just very, like, that's just, I just think that's extraordinary. To me, like, I just think that that's <clears throat> so neat to be able to recount, you know, past lives. And it's something that's always interested me. So, you know. There's a huge amount of evidence out there for it. A huge amount. Um, and billions believe in reincarnation. Even Jesus, if you, if you read between the lines, uh, kind of talks about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I am a firm believer. I, I believe I was also um, a Chinese slave who was shipped to South Africa. Now, I had no idea that that even existed, but I did some research, and yeah, lo and behold, Chinese, uh, poor Chinese were shipped to South Africa as slaves to work there. Um, yeah. Wow. And so um, another kind of, I guess it's like fact or fiction, and I'll see if maybe you can answer it. Um, I always heard about birthmarks being, um, you know, kind of a telltale sign of maybe how you died or wounds, you know, do you have any insight to that? Uh, no, I, I've heard that. And I've even heard of uh, certain people who had memories and you, this is their gunshots that they had. And then it turns out historically to be accurate, but you know, you have enough people with enough stories and there are birthmarks on most of us somewhere, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I don't know. And this might surprise people, but I'm actually the biggest skeptic in the world. Really? Um, oh God, yes. And that's funny because believe, that's another one of my questions. <laughs> I don't believe anything without evidence. Okay. I don't. I, I, look, I'm a psychic who doesn't believe in psychics. Okay. My grandmother being one of the best, she still wasn't a hundred percent. Nobody is a hundred percent. And if you only go by psychic impressions, you're going to screw up and you're going to screw up a family. Yeah. So, no, when people come to us, we're looking for the natural over the supernatural always. Number one, in reality, um, there is an underlying reason why someone is more prone to paranormal activity. And we have to find that reason. And, you know, my grandparents would say Ouija board. Okay, fine. But millions of people use Ouija boards. Can we please go beyond that simplistic explanation? And what is the underlying condition that makes you vulnerable and not the other eight people that were playing with the Ouija board that night? And that could be, you know, drug abuse, domestic violence, uh, past traumas, uh, just being uh, uh, incredibly um, open teenager and everything is brand new and exciting and all those emotions are, you know, boiling up and you've got so much energy and you can manifest something, you know? I don't believe in demons. Okay. I'm an exorcist who does not believe in demons. See, and that's very interesting because I was going to ask you kind of, 
next uh, your view on Ouija boards because it's such a hot topic and I know growing up in my household um the one time that I ever saw my grandmother get very scary stern um was when me and my cousin for her sweet 16 we were talking about like oh we should do a Ouija board and uh, well not me her and her friends were talking about it and I was kind of like I was always taught not to bring one of those in the house and so I, I asked my grandma I was like would it be okay if I did this at the sleepover and she was like if you ever bring a Ouija board in this house if you ever do a Ouija board in this house if you ever touch one she's like you and the Ouija board will be outside on the lawn and so you know it's something um she had a bad experience with one and uh but so it's I not the board yeah, so I think, you know, you saying that makes sense because if she was spiritually vulnerable, that would make sense. Why? It's your intention that's important. Um, I don't care if you're doing automatic writing seances, Ouija boards, uh, pendulums, tarot cards. If your intention is to communicate with a spirit okay. and you use a ritual to focus your intention, which a Ouija board requires ritual, then you are going to be able to open a door. Now, Ouija boards can be more effective in doing that, unfortunately, because whereas a pendulum can be used just for divination of a, a whole different sort, and the same thing with automatic writing, communicating with your uh, subconscious or uh, tarot cards using as a mediating tool for your psychic abilities, um, a Ouija board's intention is to communicate with spirits. It's focused on that alone. And if you are foolish enough to create your own Ouija board, and if you are extraordinarily stupid enough to, for instance, use your own blood to do it, then you are putting so much of your personal energy into it that it can truly be very dangerous. Okay. Um... Another thing that I have heard about, um, and this is also coming from a personal experience, was people talk a lot about mirrors. Um, yeah, I've heard that many times. Yeah, so like I, I think just again, growing up in a, a spiritual household um, and just superstition and things like that, um, you know, I always make sure that like I never have two mirrors facing each other um I don't like mirrors across from my bed um you know so like that kind of thing so I kind of was just curious is like is have you guys ever found plenty of my people would tell you that mirrors make very good portals okay I have an open mind about it but I will by no means give you a definitive answer because I have none. Okay, fair enough. That's fair enough. I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, anybody who tells you they're an expert in the paranormal is either an egotistical prat lying to themselves or lying to you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I, I am a student. And what I've learned was that when I was 20, I was an expert. As uh, most of us are in 20, right? <laughs> by, the time I was, and my, my, by the time I was 22, my grandfather says, Chris, you're a demonologist. 
and I put that right on my business card. <laughs> and by the time I was 26, I said, I am definitely not a demonologist. And I got rid of that. I, I think that particular title is absurd. I don't like it. If somebody tries to join the foundation and they're telling me they're a demonologist, I'm going to have an awful lot of questions for that person. Right. What is demonology? Oh, well, I've studied demons. Really? How? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I studied the Bible and I studied, uh, you know, the, the Solomonic keys and uh, uh -huh. anything else. Well, no, that's enough. No, it isn't. You have to study every culture because they manifest differently according to our cultural and spiritual beliefs around the world. They are not these demonized ancient Sumerian and Babylonian gods that we have now turned into demons. Yeah. You know, that is not correct. They are not fallen angels. They do not have the wisdom of the ages. Um, can they display some intelligence? Absolutely. But I think that they are manifestations of our own thoughts and energy, and they take on a spiritual life of their own, and they can cause devastating harm. They can kill. Okay. But I think they are an extension of us. That's different. I've never heard that. So that's a different way to look at it. Okay. It's called an egregore, a tulpa, or a thought form. You can okay. look them all up. Yeah. Tulpa, T-U-L-P-A, is a... Um, is a Tibetan Buddhist uh, term for these thought forms. Um, the monks in uh, Tibet, the really good ones, um, can manifest a thought form physically. Like, for instance, a tiger in the hallway of the monastery to, to make the noisy novices shut up, <laughs> you know, and then it dissipates. Um, an egregore is another way of talking about it it's created by witches normally when it's done intentionally and if they are not given a specific task if they are not given a deadline and basically a, a due by date where they dissipate they can take on more of a life of their own and get out of hand and then you get something like poltergeist phenomena okay. often poltergeist phenomena can be out of control psychic abilities from somebody right. in the household Okay. I mean, that's, that's very intriguing. Um, Cause I've never heard that before. So that definitely is like opening my mind to a lot of stuff because um, just like anybody else, I, you know, I am, I'm a horror movie junkie. I, Halloween is my favorite time of the year. Um, like ironically, because, you know, like I said, I am still afraid of the dark at 28 um, and I think that's why I haven't been able to get past that certain threshold with my abilities is because of, instead of fear. Um, and, fear will hold you back. Yes. And so it's like my whole life I've had this image painted, whether it be from cinema or listening to, you know, obviously like I do have a sense of skepticism with some of these ghost shows and, but they're oh, fun. Oh God, they're terrible. Yeah, they're, every one of them is awful. I'm like, that doesn't, I don't think that's how that works. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like sometimes they're just fun to watch, you know, to spook yourself out. And so it's, but at the same time, it's like, I feel like subconsciously, um, 
I've I have this picture now of like I just thought it was angels and demons and spirits. So complicated. Yeah, yeah, and I I started to delve into myself, other podcasts, and listen to some other speakers, and I did come across one um, where they were talking about. I don't really even know how to word this. I guess summoning demons and saying that demons aren't bad and they're just like like you said these ancient wise like gods and goddesses and so i would just was it depends on the culture and the religion you're talking about the word daemon demon actually started in greece ancient greece okay. and it was a mediator between gods and humans a messenger of god between the gods to humans it wasn't an evil entity um it's only later that we start to see them become something else even for instance lucifer lucifer was actually a living human king uh like four thousand years ago it wasn't satan and even if you look at the story of satan look at the book of job for instance yeah. first off everybody thinks that it's satan in the garden of Eden. it's the serpent never called the devil or this or satan yeah. if you go far back enough in time it wasn't even satan it was the satan which meant spiritual prosecutor and that was a position held to teach or test your faith um if you look at the book of job in the first scene Satan walks into the throne room of heaven, comes right, the prince of heaven, walks up to God and says, so I hear you got this guy named Job, who's your biggest, uh, most faithful follower. I want to test his faith. And God says, go right ahead. Just don't kill him. Kill everybody else if you want. Just <laughs> don't kill him. And that's what he does. Even if you look at the story of Jesus in the... Um, in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights the purpose of the satan character is to test jesus's faith to prepare him for what he's about to go through wow. and i think if you really look at the horrifying things that we do see uh in my work i think if you believe that everything is part of god then even those horrifying things have a purpose they may not if they have any life of their own, if they have any true intelligence, and again, what I have found is repetitive behaviors based on culture, not actual intelligence more often than not. And even when it is, it's limited. You know, I can't tell the number of times I've been attacked and it's always the same stuff. It's like, really guys, it didn't work the other 30 times. Why are you bothering? You know, that is not the wisdom of the ages. <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah. So they have a purpose to help strengthen our faith, bring us closer to God. Uh, so I, I do think there's something there. It just it's not what we think it is. Okay, okay. That's I mean, my brain right now is uh, I'm mind blown, and I'm I'm like absorbing this because this is a definitely a new chapter for me. This is a different way of looking yeah. at it. Um. And we should always have different perspectives. We should always look for new ways to look at things. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So some of the, and I know we kind of touched upon it at the beginning. I know we said, um, you know, some of the, the movies that have come out, right. And the, the representation of cases, how accurate is that? I, I would assume probably not very accurate because it's cinema. And how do you feel about that? Because you live it every day. So, well, the movie The Exorcist is a pretty good representation of reality. Although I met one of the three actual exorcists from the case that it's loosely based on. No priest actually died. Um, and he was an amazingly wonderful man. Um, the Conjuring movies are based on real cases. The details are not real. Maybe the first one's pretty good. I don't know because my grandparents never spoke about that case ever, ever. It was not one of their landmark cases. The only reason that movie was made is because Andrea Perrin wrote three books on it. And so, yeah, it became uh, a movie. The Annabelle movies are absolute fantasies. They have nothing to do with reality. Nothing, not one iota. Um, the nun doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's only one thing in the movie, the nun that is true. And that's in the credits at the end of the movie where they show the, some of the exorcism of Maurice Thurio. I was there. Really? That was where my grandfather had his first heart attack. And I was the man standing between Maurice and the archbishop throughout the exorcism. Oh my gosh. So that was real. That was real. Um, but there was no Frenchie in France or wherever the hell he was uh, in the movie. Uh, and there is no nun. Uh, that's, that is a James Wan invention. Well, who is a brilliant man and very respectful <laughs> to That's pretty scary. <laughs> and no, it's not real. Um, even the books. You know, the demonologist leans heavily into the fear aspect, and I don't care for that, but the stories are right. Uh, Devil in Connecticut, again, a well-written book. But the others, I've been in, I'm in the first edition of three of their books. Okay. And let's see, The Haunted, that's about the West Pittston, Pennsylvania, the Schmerls uh, case. I was in college during that one. I was there, oh, I don't know, four weekends maybe. Because uh, Pennsylvania, and I was in UConn at the time, University of Connecticut. But uh, <clears throat> then, of course, Satan's Harvest with Maurice. I was there a lot. Um, and then um, In a Dark Place, which is the movie uh, The Haunting in Connecticut. That the was about the Schmetter family, right? That, that the Snedeker family. That book is absolute garbage. Okay. And the author blames my grandfather. But the truth is, I gave that author hour by hour, moment by moment notes of my nine and a half weeks in that house while helping that family. And I was there every single night but one. That was really the one case that I will say um, I kind of wanted to ask you about because, you know, contrary to popular belief, um, I did ask some of my listeners to submit questions for you. And a lot of them are going to have, you know, your typical, well, what did you think of The Conjuring? And, you know, a lot of Lorraine and uh, yeah. So I hated number two. 
<laughs> I, and my favorite part of number three is the last scene because okay. it was most realistic where my grandfather, my grandmother always wanted a gazebo, always. And my grandfather surprised her with one in the backyard. When I saw that, I cried. Oh, they had such a great love story. They really- yeah, I, That was a nice touch that they added that. That made me feel happy. I, I love that though. Like their love story is something else. I, I just- yeah, but The movies don't portray it. Not really. No. That's movies. That's movie stuff. Uh, don't, don't my grandmother was unbelievably devoted to my grandfather, and he loved her completely. But like he had a type A kind of personality, really, and you know he'd be like, "Come on, Lorraine, let's get going," and she just ignored him. Okay, honey, whatever you say, and then just <laughs> go on doing whatever she wanted for another hour. Uh, you know, the, their dynamic was different, uh, but when it came to the work, they were very dedicated. And that's, you know, um, what I was going to say before is the, one of the very first, one of my very first um, paranormal experiences was growing up. I remember very vividly when the show A Haunting came out. Yeah. And I remember the first one I ever watched was A Haunting in Connecticut. That was the very first episode. It was a two hour episode. You could still, well, last I saw it was still on YouTube. At that point, I did not like uh, publicity. I had pulled my name from the books, uh, from later editions. I'm only in the first editions. Um, so I wouldn't cooperate with the production. So I'm not in it at all. Uh, but I watched it and that actually was really well done. I, I always reference back to that because I said, oops, sorry. Um, I did say to my um, husband was, you know, we were talking about it the other day and I said, do you ever remember like the, like the original A Haunting, not all like the new ones and the little short, you know, I said, but the original ones, because I remember sitting on my living room floor in my grandparents' house and I was begging my grandma, I'm like, please, like, I want to watch it. She's like, I feel, she's like, you're already afraid of the dark. Like, I don't know if you should watch that. And I'm like, no, trust me, I got this. <laughs> and so I sat there and I just soaked up every bit of it. And I was just like, to live in a house like that and to move into, you know, I feel like it's the typical, you move into a home, it's going to solve all your problems. It's supposed to be this grand solution. And well, the sun had leukemia and they were trying to get to Yukon Medical Center. So it yes. wasn't a solution of anything, really. But more so being close to like, you know, I feel like every family, when you hear these stories, a lot of the times, whether it's a financial issue or in his case, a medical issue, this was going to be there. You know, we're not going to have to struggle as much because we're going to be closer. This house is supposed to right. be, a, you know, a new chapter. And so, you know, when I am watching it, I remember being like, I don't know what I would do if I moved into a home and found what they did in the basement. And the truth is most people don't have the financial wherewithal to get out of that situation at first. It takes time. Yes. Hey, Morgan, I apologize. Um, but I don't have too much longer because okay. I have a board meeting. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no problem. <laughs> but if I could tell your listeners uh, that if they need help, please go to warrenlegacyfoundation.com. 
there's a contact us link. You can go there. There's a Google form to fill out to either join us or to ask for help. All of our services are free. Every one of them. Whatever we offer is always free uh, and always anonymous. We're very protective of our people. Very. Now, if you want to join us, you better have a lot of experience and very good head on your shoulders, and you better not be in this for ego. Otherwise, do not come to us. If you're trying to use our name to promote yourself, don't waste your time. You will not get in. We only take the best. Um, in the future, do we want to educate the next generation? Absolutely. But right now, we don't have the manpower. We only have over 100 people in the foundation around the world, and we're stretched thin. So we're working on growing the best. Uh, if you want to learn more about, well, all the stuff we talked about tonight, as well as uh, cases and things like that, uh, our YouTube channel is called The Warren Files. Careful, there are an awful lot of imitators out there called Warren Files. But you'll find us. It's got our uh, the, uh, the Warren Lacey Foundation logo on the channel. Um, and you will not get bullcrap. You will get the truth. Um, everything from how to, how to protect yourself psychically to different, uh, technology and how to use it and which ones are bullcrap. And I don't use tech, but you know, I, I do have great experts who do. So um, it's not just me, it is, we are a foundation. Our strength is built on our diversity. We help all religions. We accept all religions. You are out here to help. I don't care if you're a witch or what you are, and we've got plenty of witches and pagans in the foundation as well. Um, that doesn't matter to me. What, hell, we have an Umbanda priestess. Um, we are to help period if the family we serve doesn't have faith in what we're doing it ain't gonna work so we have to work with their faiths just like my grandparents did Absolutely. you know somebody sent me an attacking uh text that my grandparents were racist my grandparents only believed in Christ, uh, catholicism and hated other religions i'm like they worked with shinto priests uh I vividly recall being five years old and a black African priest flew over to meet my grandparents and they were so uh, honored and they brought him over to the house to meet me and I got to spend time with him as well. And no, there's a lot of crap out there that's incorrect. <laughs> Hell, you know, there are certain places you can go online. They will tell you my grandma or my mother never had any uh my mother never had any children she had two children four grandchildren and a great grandchild uh <laughs> can't believe I, everything on the internet <laughs> oh you know the the, the the wild thing is i either get attacked for not being their grandson being their grandson or just feeding off of the shadow of being in their uh, of famous people it's like no, I've been doing this forever. It's just what I do. I'm just trying to help people. Uh, I don't let it get to me. I, to me, I feel sad for 
people who are, are so filled with anger and hate that for them, that's entertainment, you know, attacking others. It's like, look, Google my grandmother's obituary. You'll get the full list of the, the family members. <laughs> if that's what it takes to believe I am who I am, please do. I invite you to. But I mean, you're very clearly, and I think it shows. And like I said, just even from our little voice exchange that we were doing to coordinate this, I mean, you can you can genuinely tell when somebody is full of love and light. And you you do truly, when you talk about your grandparents, when you talk about the foundation and all the help that you get, I mean, that you give, I'm sorry, um, it comes from a, it, you can tell it comes from a, a very passionate, very genuine place. And I just you radiate goodness you do and I'm not just saying that but like when you you can tell when a person talks about something you know that it means something to them and that they genuinely want to put good out into the world so yeah in high school I struggled middle school especially but in high school I struggled until I moved to a new school and I discovered that by listening to other people I became liked by helping them with their problems. I became liked. I don't believe in altruism. I really don't. I don't think it exists. If I choose to die for someone, it's because I can't live with the thought of not having done that. That's not an altruism. You know, I just, uh, I do this because it fulfills me. And I have helped people my entire life from being Santa Claus to uh, child abuse investigator and uh, therapist to caseworker in welfare or Peace Corps volunteer or teaching overseas. My whole focus in life has been on helping others because it does make me feel good. So it's not altruism. It's fulfilling for me. I'm not full of love and light. I'm just full of something. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've I've definitely um, I've enjoyed your company. It's it's like I said, it's a breath of fresh air. You know, I feel like just talking to you, like I've known you for years, which like sometimes I can be socially awkward and uncomfortable. So it's nice to be able to talk to somebody and just you know, not have that awkwardness and you're very humble and just kind. And so I really appreciate that. Well, I know my origins. I'm not humble. I'm just realistic. Yeah. Yes. You did say that. You did say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anybody who's actually been in my life long enough knows, man, I have fallen through the crap so many times. Uh, the fact that I'm standing at all is pretty damned amazing. But you're here and you're resilient and you're you're making changes in the world. So I think that that's, that's what matters, you know, and I think that that's really that right there, I feel like is God's work when you're making it when you're leaving the world a little bit better than it was the day before. I'm only a tool. It's his hand. If, if something good comes out of it, it's his. If something gets screwed up, that's mine. <laughs> Well, the one thing I will ask you, um, well, two things really quick before you go. Um, one thing is, if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners, what would that be? 
don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of life. Don't be afraid of pain. Don't be afraid of the other. You know, especially in the United States today, I see everybody torn apart and everybody hates the other side, the other side. But you know what? Almost all of us are in the middle. We have our differences, but those differences are only exacerbated by people who are trying to consolidate their own power. We have far more in common than what separates us. And I don't care if you are a poor farmer in Mali or you are a high powered CEO in New York City. In the eyes of God, you're just another ant. So be humble, care about one another because without one another, the ant hill collapses. Very, that's very profound. I like that. Thank you for, you know, coming on with us today. Um, I did want to, my second question um, was about, uh, I think it's called WarrenCon. Oh yeah, that's uh, something that okay. my, my mother's uh, husband does. Okay, okay. So I wasn't sure if that was your domain. Um, no. Okay. So strictly the foundation. Um, the foundation and Nesper are separate. My grandmother and I wanted them to be together. Okay. Uh, I was supposed to be the international arm of Nesper, okay. but well, Tony had other ideas and his is more entertainment based. His is more, uh, you know, his thing. And that's fine. Uh, that's not us. We're, our job is to serve others. Okay, awesome. So um, to all of our listeners, um, if you want to just give them that website one more time. Sure. Foundation.com, simplest thing in the world. Perfect. Harder Foundation. Yes. And if you, uh, you know. Oh, and you can find us. The best way to find me is on Facebook. Okay. Uh, I am not a social media guy. Yes, we have Instagram and all these other things that I can't even remember the names of. Um, but I don't run them. Uh you'll find me personally on Facebook. So it's a good place. If you just have a question you want to ask me, I'm very open, more than happy to help you if I can. Absolutely. And I'll make sure that I also post those links um, when I share this to social media, um, you know, because I just, I truly believe in the Warren Foundation. I think it's just wonderful that you guys are able to help people. Um, especially with things that they may not understand or know. So, um, thank you. God bless you. Absolutely. Just thank you so much for coming on today. And I hope this is only a part one. I hope that we get to have you on here more because I just, I could soak up every <laughs> you're telling me. I've learned so much today. So, I'm happy to come back. I really am. Yeah. And you can have, I've already spoken to some of my members. They're overjoyed to help you and to come on. You know, just say when and I'll I'll create a group so you can start to get to know them as well. They're awesome. very good people. Honestly, the foundation is the people. It's not me. I'm just one person among over a hundred. Takes a village, right? Exactly. So we'll definitely have to stay in touch and we will uh you know we'll we'll get together soon, hopefully. 
And again, just thank you so much for coming on here and really just educating our listeners and giving them a glimmer, a glimmer inside, you know, life after death and just some great perspectives, some new perspectives. So I think that that'll be very valued. Thank you. Thank you. Have fun here. <laughs> and uh, enjoy that view for me because I'm going to live vicariously through you until I can do it. <laughs> I love it here. I, at Columbia is the place, let me tell you. Favorite place on earth, and I've lived in over 90. This is it right here. And it, the town of Hardin de Antioquia. There, I mean, llamas, cows, and burros are my neighbors. It's, it's heaven here. Well, if you end up planning roots, maybe it'll give me a reason to vacation. I'll have to fly down and uh, you can show me around a little bit because I've never been, but you sold me on when you showed me your window. <laughs> Honestly, Morgan, uh, for some weird reason, flying to Columbia is incredibly cheap. Really? Incred I don't know where you are, but depending on what city you're flying out of, it's like 200 round trip or, or somewhere around there. Oh, that's not bad at all. I'm in Delaware. So yeah, good old Delaware. Yeah, you go to, go to Baltimore, fly out of Baltimore, go out of New York, uh, and it'll be next to nothing. You'll be amazed. Okay. And I honest, I, oh my God, the food here. I have, how much does it cost you for a nice coffee? Just out of curiosity. Lord, it depends on where you go, but we'll go by Starbucks standards. I mean, way too much, like four oh five, five dollars okay yesterday i went out for my uh, father's day uh breakfast happy father's day I, by the way <laughs> thank you and uh i got their their version of eggs benedict which came on an almond croissant Ooh. it was unbelievably delicious and it was less than four dollars really oh not to mention the fresh tropical juices you can get here of every sort you and you've never heard of. Um, lula, maracuja, uh, fresa, mora. Uh, oh, God. Oh. It just, just the words, just the words sound tasty. I'm like, you have my mouth salivating. I was actually, you jogged my memory because I was going to ask you before, how is the coffee? Because like, I am a coffee person. Terrible. Terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible. I, 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 I love coffee, but Colombian coffee, Colombia exports all their good coffee. Um, okay. We actually have a, a, a chain here. They have Starbucks, of course, like everywhere in the world. But Juan Valdez is a major chain here. Okay. Um, the cappuccinos are great. The uh, frozen coffees are great. But regular old coffee is not that good. Unless oh, you get um, <laughs> Cafe Amor. Cafe Amor is a really good one. I, I will say that. Okay. So definitely the food, though. But that's okay. Nice. I, I really. Okay. Anyway, thank you very much. Yes. Yes. Thank you again. And I hope you have a great Thanks. night. And we'll talk soon. Great. I'm looking forward to it. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. -bye. Bye.